Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Duke Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yeah, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM Translator, good morning and hello. How are you? It is the Thursday edition of the Michael Duke Show where we are doing our thing. We're doing our thing across the state of Alaska, uh, talking about stuff and things that are important to you. Uh, Well, I hope they're important to you. They should be important to you. If nothing else, you should be paying close attention to what's going on in your local communities and in your state uh, because, well, let's face it, it's one of the few places that you actually have an impact. And I, I was just laughing about the uh, – I, I was just – you know, looking through the headlines across the state at the various news outlets and everything else, and uh, I just noticed that uh, – you know, the, one of the stories, what was the uh, what was the headline? Key takeaways from the DeSantis-Haley debate in Iowa. And <laughs> I caught my inner monologue uh, as we as we uh, as I was looking through this stuff. And I just and I, and I look back at that. Oh, my inner monologue said, why? Why do I care? What what's going on? I mean, at this point, it, it really has become a question of what what can I do to help that? What can I do to fix? Is there anything I can do? I mean, at this point, the, the answer is no. Now, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. I'm not trying to say, boy, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't vote or you shouldn't. I'm just saying at this point, is it, um, it it's just such a poop parade. And, I, and we're so exhausted by this. I mean, this started... You know, last year, a year ago, all this kind of stuff went on and began. And, uh, I mean, do you remember back in the day when no presidential candidates announced until after Labor Day? Do you remember that? You, you remember those? Hey, do you remember those golden years? <laughs> right? <laughs> that was back when, you know, in the, they, they never announced until after Labor Day, the year before the election. And now it's like... It's become an ongoing, continuous, you know, three-year slog. Uh, you know, the 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 new president gets elected or whatever, and then it's like a year's wait, and then it starts the three-year cycle of gearing up to run again for re-election or for a new, per, you know. And I just look at it and I go, <clears throat> what? <laughs> I just, I, what difference at this point can we make at that level? Can we pay attention? Absolutely. Can we pick our can we pick our our candidate of choice? Sure. Is it going to be, you know, do we necessarily even know who the 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 nominee is going to be? No, absolutely not. Not until of course the official day and then 
where do we go from there? The only thing that we can fix at this point, folks, the only thing that we can control is what happens in our own families, what happens in our own neighborhoods, cities, communities, boroughs, and the state to some extent. And that's that's where that's where I'm at right now. That's what I'm focusing on, and uh, and I'm just the the more I see people get all spun up about this, and I had somebody on my Facebook page the other day, not my face, I mean somebody on Facebook, not on my page, but you know I was I shouldn't have done it, but I was scrolling through Facebook. I do that occasionally. It's not a big thing for me. It's I, I use Facebook for the show, and that's about it. But I was scrolling through my Facebook, and somebody had posted on their own wall, you know, some one of my acquaintances or one of my friends, something about, uh, you know, candidates this and candidates that, and all I could think of was, man, you're you're really spun up about something to which we have absolutely no control over, and that just that just feels exhausting. Like that's just, what <laughs> you know, what can we fix? Let's pay a little closer attention to what's going on at home, shall we? That is, instead of the bread and circuses of the national level politics, of which we have pretty much zero control, let's focus on the few things that we actually do have control over or potentially have control over. Because I know even sometimes in local politics, it's like, well, what what do we do? Whoa, you know, it's uh, anyway. I was just thinking about that because I, I saw that headline this morning and I laughed. And again, listening to my, I mean, there's so many voices in my head trying to decide which one to listen to. Uh, and one of them was just like, what difference does it make? Because you just, there's just no answer. Although I will say I was a little bit gleeful. I'm just, this is a personal thing more than anything else. I was a little bit gleeful that Chris Christie dropped out of the race yesterday. Last night, yesterday afternoon, whatever it is, he announced that he was terminating his run for president. And all I could think of was, I'm good. Because <laughs> I've seen what you've done in the past, sir. I've seen your track record. Not impressed. Uh, would I vote for Ron DeSantis? Would I vote for Nikki Haley? Would I vote for probably most of them? I mean, you know, they, they're... I mean, I can't find any of them that match up with what I believe exactly, because that's a near impossibility for anybody to find somebody they can agree with. But, you know, for the most part, um, do I think that, uh, well, I, I do, I'm not even going to get into the the, the presidential politics, because it is such an absolute train wreck right now, right? I mean, it's 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 just an absolute train wreck. And that was one of my decisions... Uh, coming into this year, I mean, previously, I really I've never uh, I haven't focused on national politics on this show, with the exception of gun politics for years, uh, specifically because that was kind of my whole mantra. But I really it kind of came into laser focus this last uh, holiday season as I did a little self-reflection uh, to decide, you know, I have I've, I've stopped reading some of the news outlets that I was reading last year. Simply to try and stay informed, but I found that <clears throat> I was getting a little uh, uh, upset about it and irate, and then berating myself because I can't affect that. Why am I? Why am I spending a, a, you know emotional energy on things I can't control? I should focus on the things I can control, and that's where, and that's where we led to today. All right, so wow, that was a weird kickoff to the show this morning. 
Uh, but that's just, you know, flow of consciousness. That's what happens sometimes. Today is Thursday, and uh, normally, uh, you know, we've got something, you know, guest or something going on. But, boy, you know, trying to get a hold of uh, the legislators and everything else, uh, not a lot of that going on because they are <clears throat> apparently all busy going to Juno. Um, and I don't know if they're sleeping in the airports waiting for the next max, uh, you know, nine to be available. By the way, Alaska Airlines has now announced that they're canceling every flight with a max nine until at least Saturday, which means that they're they're canceling like 120 to 140 flights a day. So if, if you're planning on flying anywhere using Alaska or United, um, it's uh, it's going to be. It's going to be a little tough. And since Alaska is one of the only carriers that I think, I don't know, is any other carrier, major carrier flying to Juno? I think Alaska is kind of the, the only game in town. Um, all those legislators, they're going to have to try and get into town a little bit early because it's going to be a hot, 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 hot mess. Uh, anyway, uh, I wasn't able to get a hold of anybody to and track anybody down to get, uh, you know, for, to talk about. I want, I, kinda, I want to kind of get everybody's hot take. On what is uh, going to be coming up in the next session? We don't. I mean, I think honestly, none of us think it's going to be a great session from our perspective. Our perspective being the smaller government, get off my lawn perspective. Um, but you know, kind of working on that expectation, trying to see what you know, what what you know, what do people think? What do people see? And uh, radio silence. I sent several text messages yesterday, and they were like, "Nope." Just crickets, crickets. So I thought, well, you know, we've got plenty of other things to talk about. And um, we really haven't done too many. Uh, we haven't done too many uh, open line, open forums uh, since the beginning of the year. I mean, geez, we're only 10 days into the beginning of the year. So let's do a um, um, let's do it. Let's do open line, open forum today. So that being said, uh, I have opened up the phone lines, and phone lines are now open and ready to go at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. We would love to hear from you this morning to talk about any of the things you want to talk about. I just looked down. Chris in the chat room just said, we stopped watching TV, and my new and my news comes from Michael Dukes and the Alaska Watchmen and a couple of others. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's exactly it. You need to get your news from a variety of sources, uh, some you agree with, some you don't agree with, just to kind of get a feel for what's going on. That's what's what we need to do. That's I mean, that I that I would rec highly recommend that um, and, and everything else. But I would love to love to hear from you this morning. Again, if you want to call in and sound off, uh, we'll we'll take it on. So, what what are the topics that we're going to track into and tackle uh, in on today uh, before we get started? Well, um, let's see. There's a bunch. Uh, we've got a new uh, new uh, uh, administrative repeal by the Dunleavy administration of some health care regs, which has got. Well, it's got some people up in a tizzy, and I don't know quite how to feel about this. I mean, I have some feelings on it, but I don't know if my feelings are more emotional or fact-based, so we'll talk about that. Um, the, the, the latest in the school saga, uh, you know, of course, we knew that schools were going to be, a, and school funding was going to be a huge thing this year um, and in the legislative session. 
Well, <clears throat> it could be even bigger for the city of uh, and school district of Juneau, which looks like all of a sudden, out of the blue, they may have to declare bankruptcy. Oh, this is some juicy. What is going on? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a new ballot initiative that's seeking to raise the minimum wage in Alaska again. Now, the minimum wage just went up on January 1st from a prior ballot initiative, and they're back at it again. Um, and who's behind it? Oh, you just you just wait. We're also going to talk about the um, the knick arm, but not the bridge. Now they're talking about a tunnel. What? I mean, it's the it's a I mean, I'm a fan of the bridge. I'm a fan of the knick arm bridge. I live out on the knick arm. Right. I mean, if the bridge was up today, instead of taking an hour and 15 minutes for me to get to where I need to go in town, it would take about 20 minutes. Um, and it would, and that'd be for a lot of people who live out here on the Knick arm. There are thousands of people who live out here. It's one of the most populous places in the Matsu Valley. And many of them live in Anchorage. This would be a great way to give them another opportunity. Um, but the arm of course is the bridge to nowhere. That's the, how it was. It's a brilliant piece of branding. Anyway, we could talk about that. Um, and we still got a couple other pieces of pre-filed le- uh, legislation that we didn't get a chance to talk about, uh, the Alaska Airlines thing, which I just talked about, uh, and we got a bunch of other stuff, plus for your, plus your phone calls, plus your phone calls. So, um, well, I, I got a phone call on hold right now, but I just realized that I'm almost at, let me see if I can squeeze this in, because I'm almost out of time for this segment, and uh, I want to give everybody their fair shake. So let's get started over here. We'll start off. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Mike. I'm calling from Wasilla. Hello, Mike. What's on your mind this morning, sir? Well, you were talking to Senator Shower yesterday, and I understood exactly what he was saying, talking about not wanting to alienate his counterpart politicians down there, the rhinos in Juneau. And he, he basically said that he didn't want to alienate them because they wouldn't play with him when the time came that they were back in the majority. Now, did I understand that right? Uh, that was that was my understanding was that, you know, again, you don't want to burn the bridges that you may have to go back and, uh, you know, essentially he may still have to work with these people uh, in the future. And he doesn't necessarily want to burn the bridges uh, and call out and name names in that regard. Yes, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree. You and I are kind of on the same sheet of music as that. Okay, I've got a suggestion for him. I hope he's listening or one of his staff are listening. Because I got caught in a similar situation years ago, except that my life was on the line. Literally, my life was on the line. And I went, you know what? I got nothing to lose. And as an army of one, uh, it ended up costing me my career, my home, a lot of things. Okay? But what I want to say here is, is there's four of them now that have been alienated from the Senate. And they need to form a coalition and figure out who's going to be the next one going out of office, because I'm sure that one of those four, and I don't remember, I know Mike Shower's one of the four. Well, it's, Which it's, one of them is the next one It's three. It's Shelley Hughes. It's and actually three. Yeah, no, it's three. It's Shelley Hughes, Rob Myers, and Mike Shower. They're in the minority right now. Those are the three. Okay, well, the three of them then. But one of them stand up and start naming names, start calling them out, this is what this person is voting for, these are the people that are 
um, stopping you from getting your PFD. Now, I realize that's probably going to cost them a lot of friends. They don't have to, all three of them don't have to do this, but if one of them stands up and starts, for the lack of a better expression, being a bomb thrower, it would be amazing how many people would get behind them in their own constituency. And yeah, the, the media would badmouth them and the rest of the, the Senate would probably ostracize them for the short term because people would be aware. You know, Mike says, go find out their voting record. I've tried to find that voting record. I'm not that good on a computer. I don't have hours and hours to dedicate to who's voting for what and following the, the, the politics in Juno down to the last letter of the who's voting for what. I'm trying to figure all that out. But if I've got a trusted figure in the Senate like Mike Shower, I trust Mike Shower. I've spoken to him personally. I know what kind of man he is, and I trust him. And there's a lot of us out here that do trust him to tell us the truth. Step out, name the names. Those people in Sitka, most of them probably don't know what's going on. But if the media suddenly starts going after Shower, for what he's saying, he's going to get into that same type of a situation right. that uh, Eastman's in. Right. It's a lot of media attention because he's a bomb thrower. All right, Mike, hold Nobody on. Mike, <clears throat> Mike, hold on. A bomb Mike, hold on a second. I'm going to finish your call during the break, but I'm up against it. I got to go. Uh, hold the line. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, I'm sorry about that, Mike, but <clears throat> I was up against a break there. I had to, I had to jump to it. Uh, you know what? I, I, I kind of, I, I agree with you, Mike. This is why, and this is why I've always said I would make a horrible legislator because I. I would do that. And I understand that Mike is trying to be uh, diplomatic about it. He wants to be able to get some things done um, because you can't, as an army of one in a legislature of 60, you, you, you know, you, you probably won't be able to get much done as a, as, a, as a single person. But you can effectively be that person that is the lightning rod that calls people out. Uh, Donna says in the chat room, she said, I took that as optimism from Shower that they could get a majority elected in November. Okay, yeah, I mean, that could be it. But I'm kind of agreeing with you, Mike. I, I think that sometimes somebody's got to be the and you know what and i think his people would protect him i think his you say that he maybe not get reelected but i mean like you said you trust shower i trust shower that would make me want to uh that would make me want to uh to continue to reelect him wouldn't it you oh absolutely and but what i'm also trying to say in all of this is it would clean up it would get rid of a lot of those people that are the rhinos I can give you a great example right off the top of my head is Wilson. I mean, and he, he's my local representative. Unfortunately, he's in a different district, and I can't vote against him. I can't or, or run against him because I would step out and go, you know what, I've had enough of Wilson. I'm going to start pointing this out, and I'm going to hit the campaign trail, but I can't. And the people that do represent me, I, I like who they are. I like what they say, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to run against Mike Shower because I'm in his district. I'm not going to run against Mike Shower because I like him. I trust him. He, he's right, trying right. to do what everybody wants to done. But what I, all, all I'm trying to say is, is in the short term, yeah, you may blow up those contacts. You may find people not, don't want to work with you. But if you can get them out of office, guess what? They're, that It's over with. Well, you, You've got somebody there that you can work with. And at the same time, go look for people 
to replace them, like the clown down there in Sitka. Somebody, you know, go to Sitka, sit in the local bar and find somebody that's complaining about him, and, okay, well, tell you what, you want to run against him? Let's go. Right. Well, you know, and, and I think it comes to a point to say, as long as he doesn't say anything that's that's fallacious, as long as he doesn't say anything that's false or anything. I mean, if, if I said a bunch of stuff and somebody comes back to me and is like, oh, you hurt my feelings and I can't. And I'd be like, tell me something that I t- tell me what I said that was untrue. You voted this way. Your bill does this. You know, you took this position. Tell me where I'm wrong. Oh, you're just upset with me because I called you out on your position and I disagree with it? What is this? Grade school? Come on. Seriously. Uh, again, this is why I would make a horrible senator or representative because I would that's exactly the tack that I would take. And uh, I, I just, you know, I'm not interested in that kind of schoolyard politics. But that's really what they live for down there. I mean, that's the the, the good old boys club, the, the business as usual crowd. That's what they are all about, keeping power the way they've had it, and they get a little bent out of shape if you push on their, you know, you take their toys or you do whatever. They get a little bent out of shape about it. Yeah, and and some people are really not going to like my next statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mike, if you're playing the game, you're part of the sewer, and you're playing the game right now. It's, I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, Melody in the chat room says, uh, Mike Shower has already tried that avenue. He lost his staff and his office. It didn't work out well for him. And she's not wrong, but at the same time, you know, I I have a feel like, I feel like I would have reveled in that status of, oh, you want to play? You want to do that? Okay, fine. Let's, you know. Let's go. Now you've taken the now you've taken everything. At this point, like you said, what else have I got to lose? If you've taken everything from me and I'm on the sidelines and my constituency is basically being disenfranchised, the gloves are off. I'm naming names, I'm calling you out, I'm gonna call you a dirty so-and-so at every opportunity. I mean, you won't necessarily be effective except for the fact that you will be a lightning rod uh, for that. And maybe that's what we need. I don't know, Mike. Maybe you're right. But I'm, I'm coming back in. Thank you for your call. I appreciate you calling in. Okay. All right. Uh, 907-433-3150, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's do this thing. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Okay. Um, we just uh, we, we just finished up uh, with that call during the break, and I apologize, but I was up against a hard break there, and I couldn't continue it on. But I mean, his whole point was, you know, in the in the end, he said off the air basically that, you know, if you're if you're trying, if you're trying to play the game, then you you know you're kind of part of the problem thing. And look, I believe Mike Shower is on the ground, and I trust his judgment, and he's making decisions in the field. I mean, if we're going to use military metaphors, which I think is appropriate, he's the one that's in the field. He's making he's the battle commander. He's making the decisions. Okay, I can respect that. But again, this is why I would make a horrible, horrible senator or legislator because if they took if they took everything from you 
and and Melody in the chat room said, you know, State Senator Mike Shower has already tried that avenue, the calling out, naming names, that kind of stuff. He already tried that avenue. He lost his staff in his office. It didn't work out well for him. Well, I mean, again, if it's me and I'm down there, and this is why, I mean, I God love these people who go down there and fight this fight. I do not have the patience for it. It's why I have a radio show, because I can vent and talk about things that are irritating me and doing that. Because if I went down there and they did that and they cut the staff and they cut my office and they did all this stuff and they basically neutered me and made me, well, ineffective, um, then, you know, at that point, I mean, why not go nuclear? Right. Why not just take the nuclear option and just go, Okay, fine. Name and names doing it. What else have I got to lose? What are you going to do? Put me in a smaller broom closet. You're going to exclude me from more committee. Oh, wait, I'm not on any committees. Oh, wait, you've already disenfranchised every one of my voters, not giving me the opportunity. Oh, okay. Well, if that's the case, let's roll up the sleeves, baby. You know, if you've already unsheathed the knife, let me find a place to stick it. That's I mean, uh, you know, again. This is why I would not do well in those kind of situations. I mean, that's 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 a right there. That if that's it, and you've taken it from me, what else do I have to lose? I understand what Mike was Mike Shower was saying. You know, in the fact that things could change this next November. I mean, we could have a sea change now. I'm. I guess I would say I'm cautiously optimistic on that, but. Again, unless we change out a certain component of the players, because it's not just changing the players anymore, right? I mean, we, we've talked about the, uh, uh, the charter of changes. The charter of changes is, uh, you know, is, is, pretty, is pretty self-explanatory. The charter says, you know, we've got to change the players. We've got to change the venue. We've got to change the rules. We've got to change the funding. Those are the four points of the charter of changes. And we've, we've done a good job on the first part of the Charter of Changes and changing the players. We changed out 60% of the legislature in the last, you know, half dozen years. That's pretty good. But now we're got to the point to where we've changed out a set of the players, but the ones that really need to be changed out, they're still there. The ones that are the good old boys networks, the ones that have the institutional knowledge, the ones that are deep in the, you know, deep in the, in the, I say the deep state, you know, the business as usual crowd. And I'm talking about people like Gary Stevens, uh, Bert Stedman, Click Bishop, uh, you know, Louise Stutes. I mean, those kind of people, uh, the re, you know, the, the returning now, Kathy Giesel. I mean, these are folks that have been there for years doing things the way. And they are, again, the anti get off my lawn crowd. They are the bigger government. Government is the solution to every problem. We know better than you how to run your life, how to spend your money, how to do all these things. That is the that's the whole that's the whole thing. That is the whole thing. But we need to change those players out. Now, the question becomes, and that's why I'm, I've been talking about this the last couple of days, but, and, I, and I said it yesterday, how do we reach to these people in these various communities, especially, for example, Stedman, who's in Sitka? I mean, I don't broadcast down there. Nobody's listening down in Sitka to this program. They're not hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth. Now, they are in Kodiak where Gary Stevens, uh, you know, Kodiak and the, the Homer area, where Gary Stevens is. They are in Fairbanks, where Click Bishop is. Have we been able to make a difference there? Not, not really. 
people aren't really listening. I mean, it's the status quo. I mean, it's this. So, again, I agree with what Mike from Wasilla was saying about, you know, in part about this, because, I mean, I would kind of my 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 strategy would be scorched earth like, oh, oh, you want to bring it on to me? Oh, let me bring it back to you. Uh, but Mike is Mike Shower is probably there's three mics here in this situation. Uh, Mike Shower is probably better suited for that because he understands the situation. He's on the ground. Like I said, he's the commander in the field. I should defer to his wisdom because he's the one that's doing it there. But yeah, I I just can't imagine. I can't imagine what it's like to get elected to fight so hard to try and represent your constituency and then go down there. And just get kicked right in the junk the second you walk through the door. I'm sorry, nothing for you. No committees, no nothing, no staff, no room. Here's your office. It's a closet. I mean, I, you know, I can't imagine the level of frustration on that has got to be monumental. So he's a better man than I am. Let's put it that way. Uh, So it's, but that's part of the problem, again, is that we've got these hangers on in government that have been doing it. I mean, and, and the whole anyway, I'm not I don't I don't want to get into that right this second because I will get upset and I don't want to get upset this morning. I want to continue to talk about some of these other stories. But what are your I mean, what do you think if you were going down to Juno and you, you know, you listen to Mike Shower's commentary yesterday about, you know, trying to be uh, trying to be statesmanlike, politic, whatever, about not you know, not calling people out and everything. But, I mean, what would your reaction be? Would your reaction be to, to take the Mike Shower route or would you take the Duke's route of scorched earth and pulling everything you could possibly – I mean, which which one would you take? 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. You know, as the leading spokesperson for the Get Off My Lawn Party, I would say get off my lawn. That's what I would say. Get out of my business. You just, you. Uh, all right. <laughs> scorched earth. Flick a bick. Flick a bick. Scorched earth it is. Uh, all right. What else? Uh, what other stories have we got here that I want to get into? Uh, we talked about the Alaska Airlines. They're canceling all the flights. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, they said yesterday that they're going to cancel 110 to 150 flights a day. While all these Max 9 planes remain on the ground, they're saying that it will be at least through Saturday that they're canceling flights left and right. Uh, that's uh, 125 flights uh, is what they canceled yesterday. That's one-fifth, 20% of its overall scheduled flights. So, yeah. Um, th- so just pay attention if you're planning on going anywhere. That's a big deal there. Uh, what else? Uh, oh, um, which time I got? Okay. Uh, One of the stories we didn't get to yesterday, well, one of the pieces of the story, we talked a little bit about some of the bills that have been pre-filed that are going to be coming down the pike during this next legislative session. Uh, You know, we talked about the cook inlet gas and the two bills, one from Sumner and one from George Rauscher. Again, uh, get off my lawn. Uh, We talked about the education bills. We talked about the staffing bills. We talked about psychedelic medicines, which... Surprisingly, I'm in favor of. I think that this actually from Forrest Dunbar is not a bad thing. 
Um, uh, and we're going to talk about that with J.D. Tuchilli on Monday uh, from Reason Magazine. He's coming on board to discuss the push across the country to uh, start using to figure out how we can start using uh, psychedelics and psychotropics to deal with PTSD and depression and other things. So it's going to be an interesting discussion there. But one of the things I didn't get to yesterday uh, was um, the uh, was Matt was Matt Clayman. Um Now, Shower did call him out, not by name, but as the chair of the Judiciary Committee. And he's got a bill. Uh, that he's proposed. The Alaska Department of Law announced in August that it was proposing rules that would allow the state to represent a governor, lieutenant governor, or attorney general in ethics complaints against them alleging ethics violations. Those office holders could decline department representation and hire their own attorneys if they wished under rules that went into effect back in November. Matt Clayman has filed a bill that would prohibit the state from representing senior executive branch officials in ethics complaint and what he said, restore what he said was the status quo for decades. Now, Clayman is the poster child for, you know, he's a defense attorney. He's, again, very much in the bigger pro-government is the solution to everything, uh, you know, case. He's also been supportive of some of the lawfare things that have gone on over the years. And that's what I'm talking about, these people who have weaponized things like ethics complaints. Uh, Clayman says those office holders had been required to hire their own attorneys to represent them in ethics complaints, but that they could be reimbursed by the state if they were exonerated. So he's pushing that right now. And Representative Andy Josephson in the House has introduced a similar bill, a companion bill in the in the Alaska House. And those uh, are going to be uh, probably front and center uh, since Clayman is chair of the Judiciary Committee in the Senate. We will probably see that bill coming up uh, this session as well. So just one more thing to add to your watch list. And unfortunately, it's not like your Netflix watch list. It's uh, one that's a little bit more one that's a little bit more frustrating to observe. That's for sure. All right. We got to go. We're coming up on it. Um, We'll be continuing. The phone lines are open if you want to sound off. 907. 433-3150, 907-433-3150, 433-3150, We'll continue in just a moment. We'll be back with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Um, I'm going back over here. Um... The most dangerous man in the world, says Mike, is the one that has nothing to lose. What else do you have to lose, man? I mean, that's exactly. (laughs) And then Mike says, I'd be a hero if I went to Juno. No, I would be the most hated man. You know, I I guarantee it. Um, All right. What did the... 
Um, oh, yeah, that phone that fell out, the iPhones, two iPhones fell out of the plane. They found one, and I actually saw a picture of it. I mean, it was, it fell 16,000 feet, and it still worked. In fact, it looked pristine. The The glass wasn't even cracked. I mean, they were showing a picture of the email confirming their baggage on Alaska Airlines on this thing, and it was like, oh, wow, that's, man, I build them Ford tough at that point. Um, let's see. Uh, it's our job to call out and name names, says Terry. Every time I see Wilson, I ask him about the lies that come out of his mouth. Last night was very contentious. I mean, David Wilson, he won't come on this program. I've invited him in the past, and then, anyway, I, I don't even bother to ask anymore. Uh, he was my senator. He wouldn't come on the program when he was my senator. Uh, now, of course, luckily I got redistricted, and now I'm uh, in Mike Shower's district, which makes me happier. Um, let's see. Jim says the state shouldn't have to reimburse anyone. Whoever loses a lawfare suit should have to pay all fees. I agree with that. If they bring a spurious claim or one that is unfounded, I agree that they should be then responsible for all attorney fees. I think that that just makes sense. That, to me, you know. Uh, Brian says, have not heard anything about the grand jury shenanigans trial. Any highlights? Uh, funny you should ask. Um, I've got a... I've I've got a whole thing that we could talk about with that here. I think we may have to um, we may have to depart, uh, devote part of the show to it tomorrow. Um, so maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do part of that because this is a it's some big long stuff here. But we'll see we'll see. Um, Spirit is going to go broke, says Jeannie. Does Spirit? I thought I thought Alaska and United were the only ones that were running. A significant number of Max 9s out there. Am I wrong? Was Spirit um, part of that as well? I, I mean, I can be come on wrong. Tomorrow is Friday. Thank you. Ooh. Tomorrow is, what did I say tomorrow? I'm sorry. I meant my weeks are all screwed up. Mm, yeah, sorry. Tomorrow is Friday. You're right. We're not going to discuss this. We're not going to discuss that tomorrow. We might discuss it on Monday. How about that? Uh, also going to have Sarah Montalbano on the on the on the program on Monday. So that should be good. Jeez. Okay. Um, oh, Spirit. I thought you meant Spirit Airlines. Yes, yeah, Spirit Aerospace. Yeah, they're gonna. They they about to have a bad day. They about to have a very bad day. Um, not a not a good time to be working for Spirit or Boeing. Quite honestly, it uh, it's an interesting interesting thing. All right, uh, what else uh, between now and then? We got a couple minutes here. Anything else that I missed in the chat room? Let me go back and see if there is anything else. Um, Greg says he had the best BLT ever yesterday. I love me a good BLT. Kraken Cafe by the Gear Shed. Huh. I never even heard of Kraken Cafe. Is that a new place, Greg? I'd never even heard of it. Uh, but it can't be bad if you've got to release the Kraken. Um, I should do some radio ads for them. Release the Kraken. Um, okay. I guess that's it. We're up against it. Ready to go. Oh. 
Ooh. New cafe. New cafe. What's going on with the boatyard? They're, they're, where is my dog? My dog is down between my feet under the desk here, under the console. Um, he's sitting in a big fluffy bed right under my feet. That's, that's where he's at. Cause he's a menace. <laughs> he is such a horse. This dog is so big compared to my last Boston. I mean, he will knock you over if you're not paying attention. It's just, it's just crazy. Uh, anyway, he's right, he's right down here, right here, right under my finger, this finger, that finger. So, all right, let's get to it. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff that we need to normally do. Uh, only 11 people have liked this show today. There's 50 of you in the chat room. Do you not like me? I'm getting a little bit of a complex here. Only 11 of you have liked the show. You're falling down. I'm doing my work. Let's get to it. Here we go. Oh, baby. Okay, well, uh, welcome back to the fastest two hours in radio. Uh, it is uh, the Michael Duke Show, and we are doing some open line, open forum stuff today. We're taking some calls. Uh, I've got some stories that will blow your mind. There's some stories out there that I just, I was reading through them like, what? But what? Oh, man. So good. So, I mean, not good in a just just so, I guess, juicy and uh, in some ways well-deserved. So let's talk a little bit about this. You know, we know that school funding is going to be a huge issue for this legislative session. They've already, I mean, they're telegraphing everything. You could see it coming from a million miles away. That's all they're going to want to talk about. How dare you not fund kids to the three times the normal limit or whatever? It doesn't matter that we're not doing a great job and that we don't want any accountability and that we're not allowing any metrics to be put in or anything. That None of that doesn't matter. What difference does it make? They don't care. That's They just want the money. Well, so my main question is, you know, past performance is one of, it's one of my favorite sayings. Past performance is indicative of future results. That's one of my favorite axioms. I've been saying it for years, and it's true. You know, what is the track record? You want to see where you're going? Look at where you've been. And so, so then we come to the Juneau School District. And here's a story from Sean McGuire in the ADN talking about the Juneau Schools. And the headline reads, Juneau Schools Face unprecedented, quote, unprecedented budget crisis caused in part by accounting errors. Now, if you read the story, the headline's a little misleading because I think you keep using the word errors, and I think what you meant was 
incompetence or malfeasance, one of the two. These are just not accounting errors. Let's get into it. The Juno school administrators are facing a severe budget shortfall, partly related to flat state funding and declining enrollment. Oh, they had to put that in at the beginning. Oh, it's it's the declining state funding, which, by the no, I get to that. Okay, I'll come back to that. But much of the crisis comes from accounting errors that drastically undercounted staffing costs. The city school board learned Tuesday, two days ago that the district is projected to be uh, have a $7.6 million deficit for the current fiscal year and will be carrying over a $1.9 million shortfall from the prior fiscal year. That's a combined $9.5 million deficit, which equates to roughly 10% of the district's total budget. And it's expected to keep ballooning. That means that the district's fund balances are more than $1.9 million in the red. So the Juno School District hired a new finance consultant. They hired her on a temporary basis last month, a $50,000 contract, to review the current year's budget and to help the board write the next budget. She, uh, uh, Lisa Pierce is her name. She uh, previously worked for the Fairbanks North Starboro School District. Juno's former administrative services director, Cassie Olin, resigned last month after a November budget audit found that the district was $7 million in deficit. Like, surprise! (laughs) What? So she resigned and walked away, you know, washed her hands of it, walked away. So uh, Lisa Pierce, the new gal, comes in, and after a, a, a budget review, she says... That staffing costs have been understated in the budget by $5 million. Retirement costs were mischaracterized as revenues instead of expenditures and undercounted by $1.5 million. On top of that, she noted some other errors. The district's budget did not include funding for the superintendent's salary and benefits, which was another quarter of a million dollars. Some special education grants were estimated to be 300000 when the actual cost was more than $1.8 million for the year. And on top of all that, enrollment was expected to decline by 83 students, which caused another $870,000 less in state funding. So this was the, I don't mean to laugh, but this is just the perfect storm of everything that's good. How do you not notice a $5 million understatement in what it costs to for your staffing costs and your employees? I just don't understand. David Noon, school board member of the Juno School Board, said he was incandescent with rage about the errors and questioned how they weren't noticed. School board president D.D. Sorensen said she was extraordinarily upset about the district's budget situation. Now the administrators have few options. Pierce urged board members to look forward, but she didn't think that it was mathematically possible to resolve the structural deficit in one year. The Juno Assembly already funds the school to the cap. That federal cap we were talking about the other day, they already fund it to the cap, which is the maximum amount local governments are allowed to contribute to K-12 through education. (laughs) 
Juno Superintendent Frank Hauser, who was appointed in April after the current budget was written, said 90 percent, get this, 90 percent of the district's budgets go to salary. And 90 percent of those costs go to classroom teachers, which uh, I have questions. I have questions. Many of the budget expenses, like those for retirement benefits, are statutorily or constitutionally required and cannot be cut. So the story goes on to talk a little bit later about, you know, what are the options? Well, in 1986, the Copper River School District filed for bankruptcy after state budget cuts and negotiations with teachers unions failed. And the court was in control for over a year before finalizing a reorganization plan. That Maybe what it comes down to. A board member, school board member, M.L. Mackey, urged making deep cuts but said nobody wants to hear it. The filing for bankruptcy may be, end up being the best option for the Juneau School District. They are, they are actually, and here's what killed me. Um, how, uh, one of the uh, school board, Hauser, uh, said the school board members are in uncharted territory. He was tasked by the board with compiling a list of all school spending that was not legally required to be considered for cuts. And I I would say this. Why are you doing things that are not legally required to begin with? I Yes, all things that are not legally required, we should cut those out right now. But why were you doing them in the first place? Shouldn't that be? I mean, if you're not legally required to, I mean, I know it's nice to haves and everything else, but if you're not legally required to, why would you be doing it if you're not legally required to do it? So, so Juno, oh baby, you got some splaining to do. Uh, it is not looking, not looking good for all that. And wh- where did this chick go? This Cassie Olin. Um, she resigned. I, I'm just curious as to how long she's been there. I didn't read the original Juno Empire story that talked about it from back in December. Maybe we should do that. That would be an interesting discussion for sure. All right, let's uh, go over to the phones. we got one line on hold. Let's see what you guys have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. What's on your mind? Well, just that uh, uh, get-off-my-lawn party that you talk about. Uh, now, you have your own thoughts of what that means, of course, but to me, when I hear it, <clears throat> it reminds me of some cranky person who's emotionally frazzled, and they're kind of withdrawn. They don't want people bugging them and everything, and they're the kind of person that would not post a campaign sign for who they think is a good candidate on their lawn because they just want to withdraw. They wouldn't even <clears throat> want to take a campaign flyer. They'd kind of throw it back in your face or something. Now, you may not mean that, but... <clears throat> that's what worries me when I hear that, a kind of person that doesn't participate because they, they, um, you know, they just emotionally can't take it, you know. What do you mean? Do you, would, you post, would you post a, a campaign sign for Mike Shower or whoever on your lawn? Uh, sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would. Uh, the whole idea of get off my... There? Yeah, I'm sorry. I would. I would. No. Absolutely. Uh, the whole idea of get off my lawn is not to not participate. It's not to say that I'm just a grumpy old curmudgeonly you know, guy who just wants all the... No, it basically means get out of my life. Get out of my business. You know, smaller, more limited government. That's how we kind of came up with that whole idea of get off my lawn, is that people just want to be left alone. You know, I think, I think the majority of people 
They just want to live their life without interference. They just want to be able to do the things that they want to do, start their businesses, build, you know, build things, grow things. They just want to be able to do things. And there's a bunch of do-gooders out there that, again, believe that government is the only way we can move forward with society. And they, you know, they, they want to come and interfere with your life. And so that's the whole point of the get off my lawn thing. That's what it is. Get, get, get off my lawn. Uh, it's not, again, to be grumpy or curmudgeonly. It's basically to say, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I mean, I've carried a sign for for politicians that I believe in. I have. And I'll do it again. But only if they believe like I do and that people should get off my lawn. That's that's exactly it. Thank you, Randy. I'm sorry I'm up against the break. I got to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. I mean, I don't know how maybe I maybe I just didn't come across right on that. But I mean, I just can't, you know, look, I believe that most people feel that way. I mean, that's the reason why. I mean, I came across that uh, that that Instagram post or whatever it was, the real the Facebook reels from that guy. I, I started to go back and I subscribed to his channel because I wanted to I wanted to listen to more of what he had to say about different things. But this guy, I mean, I think he is embracing what many Americans are feeling right now. I'm not right. I'm not left. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm not libertarian. I'm a human f-ing being that wants the best for the rest of the human beings. And I want some common f-ing sense. And I want to be left alone. I want to pay low taxes. I want to be able to go build things and prosper and get all the things that have been promised to me in the Constitution of this country. That's what I want. And until people wake the f- up and stop identifying with left or right, Republican, Democrat, black, white, gay, straight, all the sh- until we figure that out and stop doing that, we will continue to be abused by these people who hold the power. I mean, I think that's that is the that is the anthem of get off my lawn. I just want to be left alone. I mean, that's the old that's the old joke, right? Libertarians plotting to take over the world and leave you alone. (laughs) Right. I mean, the get off my lawn thing is just basically it's a modern day. Don't tread on me. It's like a Gadsden, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah, that guy woke me up. He's, I'll, well, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep doing this and researching, and we'll come back to it. Uh, we might, I might try and reach out to him and have him on the program uh, because he is, uh, he's pretty spot on in the few videos that I've watched so far, um, and and I think he's speaking exactly what the majority of Americans are feeling right now, which is total and absolute frustration. You can hear it in his voice. He's frustrated. He's angry, not in a curmudgeonly, I'm just grumpy because I'm grumpy way, because he's wore out. Um, Let me go back up here, see some of the comments during the uh, last thing. Malfeasance would be correct, said Greg. Yeah, I don't think it's accounting errors. I think it was incompetence or malfeasance. And I'm kind of leading, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, I mean... Yes, Bill, their accountant probably went to Juneau High School. That's probably what happened. Um, 
Uh, David, David Boyle, who is an education advocate, been on the program several times talking about this stuff. He said he's requested the CAFR report, uh, the audited uh, financial report from the Juno School District, and it was and they never responded to him. He said he'll go there again with an open meetings, open records request and follow through. That'd be interesting to see. Uh, Donna. Oh, here's Donna's got the answer to some of my. This is why I love having Donna in the chat room. Hello, Donna. We miss you. Uh, Donna says, because, again, the quote, let me make sure I pull the quote up. I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to misquote it. I actually highlighted this because I was just flabbergasted by it. Superintendent Frank Hauser said that 90% of the district's budget goes to salaries, which it's not surprising. And then it said 90% of those costs go to classroom teachers. And I'm like, uh, that would be surprising because that's not the numbers that I've seen in the past. Donna says, nope, Juno School District only spends 57% of its funds in the classroom. So, again, a bold-faced lie from the superintendent in Juno. Again, <clears throat> are you surprised? No. Are you surprised? Jeffrey says, maybe Juno's problem is the new math they're teaching in school. Yeah, apparently that is the new math. Where we count where we count expenditures as revenue, and we undercount a bunch of other stuff, and we do all that other... I mean, does this gal even have a... Has she got any kind of accreditation in any of those things? Um, uh, Brian says, not with the F-bombs. Um does he speak? I don't know what you mean about the F-bombs. I mean, I bleeped him out, but there you go. Um, remember, Frank Hauser was running for the superintendent job of Anchorage in 2022. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, oh, Melissa, who's on the school board in Fairbank, says... Frank has no idea. He's jumped around almost every district in the state without actually diving in and learning about the districts. He just speaks out of his butt. Oof. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. What's the problem with the F-bombs, Brian? I drop them all the time. I mean, not really, but I would if I could sometimes. I get frustrated enough. Uh Get off my lawn is going to change to get out of my pocketbook in the near future. Oh, it's already there, Chris. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on. Get off my lawn. Get out of my pocketbook. Get out of my life. Leave me alone. Leave me be. Who am I hurting? No one. Who am I affecting? Only me. Why are you there to, to take care of you? Because you just don't know how to take care of yourself. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, yeah, right there. Um, <laughs> Randy, you just, you don't get it, my friend. Randy says, the guy in the recording should realize that many Republicans are better than many Democrats and he should vote for a good Republican. Okay. I think you're missing the whole point of that, Randy. And I, so I, you know, I don't think it's intentional. I just think that you are, I, I think you have a bit of, of uh, built-in naivete. And that's fine. I appreciate that about you. But I think you're missing the whole point with that. All right, we got to go. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Luke Show. Cobb and Sands. 
Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the interwebs. MichaelDukesShow.com. That's where you go to find links to the stream, the audio-only podcast, and so much more. I should turn the stream up a little bit because it's not quite as loud as it needs to be. There we go. Uh, Anyway, welcome back to the program, and thanks for coming in and being part of it today. Hour two of the fastest two hours in radio. Um, And I got to tell you, I love the chat room which is available on Facebook or YouTube. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke show slash live is where you can go directly or just go to my website and click on the, uh, click on the link there at MichaelDukeShow.com. You can click on the Facebook link, but yeah, I mean, I love it because my question for those of you who are just joining us, first of all, good morning and welcome to the program. You could have been members of the six o'clock club if you had just gotten up a few minutes early and you would have heard a story about the potential for the Juno school district to go bankrupt because of incompetence and malfeasance that, that, that pretty much sums up everything that just happened in the last segment of the show. This story about the Juno school district being underwater, like big time, heavy underwater, 10% of their budget because of accounting, what they call accounting errors, uh, the controller or the, what was their, what was her title? Uh, her title was, uh, um, administrative services director. The former administrative services director resigned uh, in December after a after a November budget audit found the district was seven million dollars upside down, and they're like, "What?" Um, and so anyway, the the whole story we went through this all in the last segment. But again, the one thing that I had questions on, in fact, I had highlighted this and was like, "What?" was when they quoted the superintendent, uh, the new superintendent, who came on just in April, um, Frank Hauser, who said that uh, 90% of the school district's budget goes to salaries. Okay, well, I can believe that, because in most businesses, 80 to 90% of those budgets are consumed by personnel costs. That's just kind of, you know, that's not that shocking. But then he went on to say, and 90% of those costs go to classroom teachers. To which I said, Nah, that's not the numbers that I've seen. That's the number, not the numbers that we've talked about on this program. I said, I have questions. Well, luckily, Donna Ardwin, former OMB director of the state of Alaska, uh, all around fiscal and accounting badass, listens to the program and joins us in the chat room frequently in the morning. 
And she was kind enough to actually lay the number on me. She said, no, 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 that's not right. She said the Juno School District only spends 57% of its funds in the classroom. Now you might say, well, Dukes, you're being a little, uh, you're being a little, uh, 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 you know, overly uh, critical of this. I mean, he, he maybe he misspoke. Maybe he. Uh, I've just got to say, if you're in the middle of a crisis and you are inflating numbers by, you know, upwards of thirty or forty percent uh, to try and make your point, you're no, you're not doing the right thing. That that's just when you say ninety percent of your costs go to go to salaries, and ninety percent of those costs actually go into the classroom, and instead it's no, it's down in the fifties. You you may have a truth problem. You may you may be a spin doctor, uh, and then Melissa, who is a. <laughs> Melissa, who's uh, part of the school board in Fairbanks, said uh, he has no idea. He jumped around the state, almost every district, without actually diving in and learning about the districts. Uh, she said that she's glad that the Fairbanks North Star Borough didn't hire him because apparently he was running for that. And David Boyle said Frank Hauser was also running for the job of superintendent in Anchorage in 2022. He apparently has been shopping himself around for a while now in, in doing all those things. <laughs> You wonder why Juno has such a problem. If he can't get a simple number like that together, then, you know, it may explain a lot. Let's just put it that way. If he can't figure those numbers out, no wonder they're upside down, down in Juno. That's, you know. So now the bottom line is, for again, for those of you who missed the last segment who were joining us, is that the Juno School District may, in fact, be facing bankruptcy that may be the best end uh, end of the of this whole scenario is that they declare bankruptcy and start fresh because they are nine million dollars in the hole uh and they just don't know what you know i just and you know this is a problem that many schools are going to be facing they talk about the drop in school in students as well uh, I mean, the, the Juno School District is, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a, a lower number. They're only going to miss, uh, what do they say, 85 students, I think. 80, 85 students, which is going to cost them 800 and something thousand. 83 students below earlier projections, which the earlier projections were actually a lowering to begin with. But the Anchorage School District is facing the same thing. They uh, they were expected to have 1,279 fewer students this year. Now we don't know because the schools the uh, the Department of Education hasn't released the new numbers, the student counts. They haven't put those. They're supposed to be published in November, but Deed uh, hasn't published those numbers yet. And those numbers are important because that's a component of funding the schools because it's a per-student count, right? They give the per-student. So what exactly is going on? Why haven't they published those? Is it because they're lower than they even expected, even the projections? Because the projections were all declining, right? I mean, the, all the student count was going to be declining. Is it even is it even worse than what they expected? Is this going to cause you know some kind of catastrophic butt clenching across the state where people are be like, whoa, because people figured out during COVID that they didn't need 
the organized schools. They didn't need the brick-and-mortar schools. That they weren't being served by the brick-and-mortar schools. And they've continued to pull, because again, they've pulled, they pulled, you know, they had a 30% increase in homeschooling in the state of Alaska. That's huge. But those are just like organized homeschools, like, you know, chart, you know, the, the, the charter schools and the, the idea and the Raven and the Cyberlinks type programs, those kind of schools, those correspondence type programs, that doesn't count a lot of the programs where people just said, well, we'll just do it on our own. And then they discovered that it wasn't nearly as hard as they were told. But you, I mean, you got to remember, these are the same people that are telling you it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a library book. And then they figured out that that wasn't true. And these same group of people are saying, well, you couldn't possibly teach your own children because you're not educated. You're not an educator. You don't have it. You just don't know how to raise your children. I mean, we did it in this country for hundreds of years. Uh, but, you know, you're right. We probably couldn't figure that out. But why haven't they released these numbers yet? Uh, uh. Because, uh... Yeah. They got a significant problem. They, they, I think education system in this... And maybe that's why they're pushing so hard on this idea of raising the base student allocation. And maybe that's why these numbers are getting held back. Because maybe they want to see if they can get that BSA number in there before they release the fact that schools are even lower and it, maybe it'll just if they get the BSA increase maybe it'll just hold them even I don't know but I, I just but they got hold harmless agreements they got all kinds of stuff in there you could lose you could lose half your students and not pay the price for that for several years because they've got the they've got those uh, stop gaps those uh, those hard breaks in there where you're still going to get 80% of your funding or whatever it is regardless of how many students you have it's going to be a hot mess. I just and again, I don't mean I feel like I'm I feel like I'm cackling gleefully. I don't mean to be uh, mean spirited, but, you know, it just again, just past performance is indicative of future results. And you want to trust all these people to one, teach your children and two, be good stewards of the of the public's dollars. Oh, great. And three, not lie to you in public forums, like being quoted in the newspaper. 90% of those costs go to the students, uh, go to classroom teachers. No, that's not how it works. I mean, anybody who has looked at this rationally, who has looked at this with any bit of critical thinking or analytical thought, knew that 90% of school salaries do not go to teachers in the classroom. Because you've seen the growth of administrative overhead costs over the last 20 years and how that is going like that. In, in, in some school districts, it's two or three administrators per teacher. And unless they're paying them less than minimum wage, there ain't no way 90% of those salary costs are going to teachers. Because that's just not the math. The math doesn't work. I mean, I'm a high school graduate from Lathrop High School in Fairbanks, but even I can tell you the math doesn't work on that. Okay. Anyway, I, just, I saw this story and I was like, what? Oh, man. I would not want to be – I would not want to have to deal with that in Juneau right now. It is uh, – it's – what a what a, uh, what a headache. 
We'll 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 see what happens there. Again, it may be that new math they're teaching in school. Maybe that's maybe that's what happened. This gal who was there was a new math graduate, uh, but she's been replaced, and we'll see exactly what this looks like in the coming weeks. But I can tell you right now, it's not going to be pretty. It is not going to be pretty for the uh, for the for the uh, Juno School District. And I mean, I think my question is maybe we need outside auditors on all of these schools. I know David Boyle wrote that piece about uh, Anchorage, where Anchorage is crying, poor, 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 pitiful us, that we've got a $96 million deficit. But it turns out that they've also got an excess of, what, another $70 million in COVID funds and other things that are sitting in their bank account, in their fund balance, that they have, you know, five times what they're supposed to have in their fund balance per previous state law, which has been suspended because of the COVID stuff, right? But, I mean, maybe we need outside auditors to look at each one of these school districts. I mean, if I was on an assembly, that would be one of the first things that I would recommend. Maybe we need to have somebody from the outside come in and look at this, because I think we may be stuck in the forest for the trees. Maybe we should have some outside auditors come in and take a look at all this. That, that, might, that would probably be my first suggestion. On those kind of things. All right. I got another stuff to talk about. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all run up on this. The quest for a new Alaska minimum wage. Oh, I mean, it just went up on January 1st, right? Well, buckle up, buttercup, because it's about to uh, go back on the ballot, or they're trying to get it back on the ballot. Let's talk about what the, let's, let's talk about the motivation behind that. Let's talk a little bit about the motivation. I also would love to take your calls. 907-433-3150. It is open line, open form. So if you've decided that I've gone off the rails and you want to talk about something else, hey, feel free to call us up. Love to hear what you're, or even take your thoughts on this. You you want to talk about this? We'd love to hear what you have to say. 907-433-3150. Give us a ring. The Michael Duke Show. Across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're gonna be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Um,. Off topic, but positive news. My son-in-law comes home from Italy today. His three-year tour has finished. So excited for my daughter and thankful for his service. Uh, congratulations, Melody, and tell him thank you for his service. We appreciate that. Uh, Greg says, great idea, uh, talking about bringing in independent outside auditors to look at these things. Because <laughs> what the actual hell is going on? <laughs> oh, what the hell is going on? I mean, the Juno School District is going to have to declare bankruptcy. 
because they, I mean, nobody, who's watching the watchers, right? Who's watching the watchers? And now they're like, oh, well, we're, uh, we're, we're, we got a problem here. Yeah, you got a problem. I mean, on top of the fact that you're upside down by nine million, nine and a half million dollars, and you're probably going to have to declare bankruptcy and everything else, you got a superintendent out there that's blathering on at the lips that can't. I mean, he's it's lies. Ninety percent of the salary goes to employee goes to uh, or ninety percent of the budget goes to salaries. Okay, I can buy that. Yep, got that. That that makes sense. Ninety percent of those salaries go to the classroom. That's not possible. That is not absolutely fiscally, arithmetic, mathematically impossible. Because, again, we know that the average school in, in Alaska has got, you know, between two, was it one and a half to the like the, the, the lowest one. I'm trying to remember back to Sarah Montalbano's numbers. I want to say that the lowest one was just under two administrators for every teacher. The highest one was something like three and a half or something like that. Three and a half administrators for every teacher. And if that's the case, even if it's just one to one, even if it's just one administrator for every teacher, there's no way that 90% of your salaries are going into the classroom. I mean, it would have to be 50%, right? And then Donna Ardwin was kind enough to hit us with a number that says 57% are going, you know, it's, uh, oh man, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff, but that he would just blatantly say that, uh, in the middle, I mean, oh, he misspoke. I'm sure somebody's going to say he just misspoke. Yeah. Well, is anybody going to call him out on it? The newspaper didn't certainly call him out on that. I mean, you know, because my first question would have been, excuse me? Can you break that down for me? 90% of the district budget goes to salaries and 90% of those costs go to classroom teachers. Can you, are you saying that you pay for all the administrative overhead for only 10% of the salaries? Explain to me, that's nine to one. Explain that to me. Use small words because I'm a high school graduate. I mean, they'd already said that they had not even reported the district budget did not include funding for the superintendent's salaries and benefits. So, I mean, can you even say, can you say with a straight face that any of the numbers that you're quoting are even actually correct? And if those were the numbers they were using, why didn't somebody in the school board go, wait, that doesn't make any sense? I mean, I have questions. I have so many questions about this right now. So many questions. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll we'll have to see. Um, Willie says what? Willie says on YouTube. I'm looking at the schedule for sports trips for Bethel. Seems like every other week they're on jets to far corners of the state. What does that cost a failing school district and worse my PFD? That's a good question. That's a good question. Okay. Um, wow. We're already we're already through the commercial break. I didn't even uh, I didn't even get a chance to go back through the uh, um, to go back through the comments. Um, 
All right, we got to go. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm looking back through the uh, I'm looking back through the uh, questions here. Uh, here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do the YouTube. Only 20 of you have still liked the program. There's 50 of you in the chat room. Man, you guys are killing me. Don't you like me? The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. Huh. Whew. I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Okay. Uh, man, I better, I, I've been on a tear here. So went to commercial break all of a sudden to look up and it's time to come back. We got, got more to talk about. I'll get off this subject of the classroom thing. Although, I mean, again, I have major questions about things that are going on and what's happening out there. We, we, need, we need to talk about this for sure. Um, and I think we will. We'll, we'll get into this and, and uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what's going on. Um, what was I going to talk? Oh, uh, the, the, new, the new fight for the minimum wage. The new fight for the minimum wage. Um, for those of you who don't know, didn't catch it, but on the 1st of January, a new minimum wage in the state of Alaska went into effect. It raised the, it raised the minimum wage uh, to $13 an hour um, for like 85 cents or something like that, 80 cents. It went up almost a buck to $13 per hour on January 1st, and that was instituted by... Uh, a ballot initiative back in what think, 2014, I think. 2014, they had uh, they instituted that. Well, there's a new ballot measure that's uh, out there collecting signatures right now. It's a new ballot initiative, and they've got to uh, they they've got to get all their signatures counted. They turned over 41,000 signatures to the Division of Elections on Tuesday. They've all got to be counted and verified by the lieutenant governor's office before the initiative can be certified and the question officially placed on the November ballot. The initiative seeks to increase the minimum wage from $13 an hour uh, in 2025, so next year, to $14 per hour in 2026 and $15 per hour in 2027. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this time they built in an automatic escalator that would be adjusted every year for inflation. The initiative would also, I mean, that's one part. So you're already going to see the cost of some of these things. Now, this is already happening. I mean, I got I to gotta say this. This is already happening. I don't know why you would need a minimum wage law in Alaska when I drive by you know, McDonald's or, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken or something, and I see their sign says we're now hiring starting at $15 an hour. So I'm, I'm questioning the relevance of that to begin with for, for many jobs and everything else. But see, I think there's more to it than just the minimum wage. The initiative would also provide employees with guaranteed paid sick leave. And then finally, it would prohibit employers from compelling employees to attend meetings regarding religious and political matters, uh, a tactic used sometimes to dissuade workers from unionizing, which 
that's really the the that's really the bottom line of this. Why? Because the co-chairs of the committee to put this ballot measure on include Ed Flanagan, who is a former commissioner of labor and workforce development under Tony Knowles. And the other one is Joel Hall, who is the president of the AFL-CIO, the labor union. (laughs) That this is all about making sure that people can unionize if they want. Now, Flanagan, according to the ADN and Iris Samuels, who wrote this piece, uh, one of the pieces, I've got several pieces up here that are talking about it, but the one in the ADN anyway, uh, Flanagan was involved in the last initiative that it passed in 2014 with over 70% of the vote, raising the minimum wage to $9.75 over a three-year period. He said the minimum wage didn't go high enough last time. Now, when asked what he would do, he said, if I was king, it'd be $20 an hour. But I wouldn't be confident that that would pass. We're also adding a cost to employers of the sick leave in this provision. We have to be mindful of the economy. Well, thank you for being mindful of the economy at this point. I mean, if you're going to be passing it on and forcing people to pay $15 an hour uh, for you know some of these jobs. And here's the thing. Here's the argument that nobody is making that nobody's talking about. Well, I'm sure somebody's talking about it somewhere. I'm going to talk about it right here. Flanagan is quoted in the article as saying minimum wage is not supposed to be a starvation wage. It's supposed to be hopefully close to a living wage. To which I ask the question, on what planet? Minimum wage are starting jobs. Right? Minimum wage is supposed to be for starting the idea that, you know, these are starting jobs where you start out and you're not alone. You're not supporting a family. You're not. This is supposed to be for these are starter positions. That's what a minimum wage job is. Now, first and foremost, I've got to question the um, I, I, I've got I've got to uh, question the ambition of a whole group of people who are like, these minimum wage jobs should be a living wage from the very beginning. Either one, because they have no ambition to go beyond the starting position. uh, Because they just, you know, they believe that that's what they're owed, that that's what they're due. Or what? Um, I don't know who came up with this idea that a minimum wage should be a living wage. When I was growing up, back in my day, as I stroke my grumpy old man beard, back in my day, kids who went to work were working for minimum wage, and they could afford to pay them that because these kids weren't trying to support their family. They weren't. It wasn't a living wage. It was a minimum wage for a reason. They're getting on-the-job experience. They're learning how to do things. They're learning how to do those things uh, to deal with life and, you know, their first jobs. That's what it was all about. But now they're acting like these, you know, some 35, 40-year-old, you know, family man and woman, that they're all working minimum wage jobs and and it should be a living wage for the – that's not that's not how that got started. That's not that's not the point of a of a of these lower paying entry. They're called entry level jobs for a reason. Because you're entering the workforce for the first time. 
According to data collected by researchers at MIT, a living wage in Alaska for a single adult with no children would be $17.15 an hour. The group, uh, that goes up uh, to more than $35 an hour for an adult with just one child. So an adult, a single adult with one child, it goes up to $35 an hour. But you, they're, again, they're called entry-level jobs for a reason. You are entering the market for the first time. That's the intent here. I just, this whole thing, it just really blows my mind. Another provision in the initiative would ban employers from forcing their workers to attend political or religious meetings, including so-called captive audience meetings where employers try to convince unions not to, uh, workers not to unionize. And I, I think that's the deeper thing here. This, this whole thing is being funded. Well, we'll get into that here in a second. The organizers of the ballot measure say the wage increase could directly impact 12,000 Alaskans earning below $15, but could impact wages for other workers as well by leading to pay increases for people earning more than minimum wage. See, that, that's the other thing. The unintended trickle-down effects, the unintended consequences. Uh, consequences? The consequences. Sure, 12,000 Alaskans could now earn $15 an hour. But that means that those who are already making $15 an hour either have, you know, would either the employers would actually either have to say, well, you're doing more, or you're doing a different job, but we can't pay you anymore. Or they would have to bump their pay increase and go. But eventually those costs are going to be passed on to who? You, the consumer. In fact, the article in the uh, the article in the uh, Alaska's news source, KTUU, goes on to talk about. Jenna Wright, the president of the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation, says her organization does not have an official position on the initiative, but she believes increasing wages will likely raise prices at the store. She said, in general, the primary arguments against raising wages is that operational costs will increase, which will then likely increase the price of goods and services to compensate for that increased cost. It's got who pays, right? That's the Brad Keithley thing. Who pays? And so in a labor market scenarios that are less tight, there's also the concern that maybe fewer low-wage jobs would be created. But in the labor environment that we're currently in in Anchorage and Alaska and really the nation, she says, I don't see that argument as a real concern. I think it's mostly the upward pressure on prices that could occur due to the increased labor costs. Because we've got, you know, we've got this labor shortage, right? Nobody wants to go and work. Joel Hall is also quoted in this article as admitting that required paid sick leave, because that's what they would include here. And I don't know what the business cutoff is, how many how many employees, how many employers. But she said required paid sick leave could impact Alaska's uh, uh, small businesses as some don't offer that benefit to employees. Yeah, we got to pay you for two weeks that you're not here. Because it was an entry level job and we don't have paid sick leave. But now we have to do it. Um, <laughs> to which Wright, again, the president of the AEDC, said to require them to start offering paid sick leave, it would certainly increase their labor costs and their liabilities. And so in order to offset that cost, again, we could see the prices start to increase for the services and the goods uh, that that particular organization offers. But it's all good. 
The fight for 15 continues. Now, who's funding all this? You know, who's 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 put all this together? They'd like you to think that it's all for the people, baby. It's all for the people. All those all those adults that are out there on a minimum weight. I'd be interested, you know, what I'd really be interested in is a demographic breakdown of how many people and what are the demographics of people who are actually working in these minimum wage jobs? What's the demographic breakdown? How many adults? How many kids? How many, you know, what what is it? That would be a fascinating look. I'll have to see if I can find something like that. But who's paying for this ballot initiative? Well, the ballot group Better Jobs for Alaska is who's who's is who's put all this together. And as of last October, because that's apparently the last reporting period that's available, as of last October, they had raised $750,000 to fund this ballot initiative. Of that, 720,000 of it came out from the 1630 fund, a national political spending hub that supports left-leaning causes. So, out of the 750,000, only 30,000 of it came from somewhere else. 720,000 of it came from the 1630 fund, which is again part of the same group that was fighting against the constitutional convention and doing all I mean, again, follow the money. Uh, it's just this is so again more government interventional in the into the market leads to more government intervention in the market which leads to more I mean it is a self licking ice cream cone. We'll have to see uh, we'll we'll have to see what comes out of that uh, in the future. All right, we got to go. Uh, one final segment dead ahead. Your thoughts on this? What do you think? Am I am I wrong here? Should minimum wage jobs pay a quote-unquote living wage? Which would be, again, according to the numbers, $17 an hour. Or, if you have a kid, $35 an hour. What What do you think? The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're back with more right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Thank you. Outlawed says, it's a new political soft drink coming to a store near you. Consequences. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. Quick, give me some consequences. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> consequences. Um, all right. Let's go over here. <laughs> Let's go over here. Um, uh, brick and mortar schools need to go. Minimum wage in Seattle is higher and their cost of living is lower. Um, has Scooter made sure that they're not violating any APOC rules? I'm sure he's probably part of their council, quite honestly. Um, 
Chris says it's the consumer that will be paying all for all this raise hike. Yeah, absolutely. Soon, your Big Mac is going to cost you $20. Yeah. Uh, although Jeannie is right, McDonald's would be more uh, able to adjust to that than the small mom and pops who can't afford to eat or can't afford to pay, you know, the minimum wage. Um McDonald's in California, Oregon, and Washington all pay more than anyone else. Minimum wages are starting out learning how to make and manage money. And that's exactly it. I mean, again, you can go by – we've seen it here in Wasilla. I mean, I see it on all the signs for the different store, you know, starting at 15. 15 is a starting wage. They're already over minimum wage. Um. Uh. Minimum wage is a hedge against stingy employers. The market, Jim, is a hedge against stingy employers. Employers, if if you are paying lower than what people are willing to go work, you won't have any employees. You have to compete in the marketplace. That's how it works. Uh, too many people these days have the mentality that these minimum wage jobs are the same as a career with a Fortune 500 company. I I I mean, I grant these are entry level positions. I think some of it is is that. I think some of it is many of these people feel like they are owed a living wage out of a starting position job. Um, <laughs> I'm looking here. Uh, the people wanting $20 an hour for working at McDonald's are the same ones that need a participation award. I, it's just kind of what I was just saying. Um. Most state jobs, says Jeannie, don't pay $20 an hour. Really? I would think that it would be, you know. Um, Joel Hall. Joel Hall of the AFL-CIO is also leading the charge of the group pushing the ASD for school bonds. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Big surprise. Big surprise. Um. Uh, okay. It's online. It's called the census, says Harold. And I was talking about the demographics of, uh, demographics of, uh, who's, who's, who's in a minimum wage job. I need to, I need to look at that. I'll have to spend some time to go pull all that info out. Um, all right. I've been working in my dental profession 45 years, and I make $20 an hour now, says Melody. Oof. Um, Panda Express is starting at 18. Yeah. I mean, because they know they're competing for employees. Um, entry level equals greener than grass and don't know how to work, says Terry. And that's where a lot of these people are. I still remember my daughter, who was running a cafe in Fairbanks, my oldest daughter at the time. And she'd been working there for a couple of years, and she was the manager uh, under the owner. Uh, and was and she, she had a girl. My daughter at the time was like 19 years old. And they hired a girl there who was just a year younger than my daughter. And she came home, and she said, Dad. She goes, I just don't understand. I'm like, what? She goes, I had to teach this girl how to sweep. She didn't know how to use a broom. She's just like this. She's just she said, I just did. She didn't even know how to. How? 
cow. Oh, man, that is greener than grass. That's right, greener than grass and don't know how to work. Um, um, okay, so now Harold's anti-capitalist. Great, okay. Uh, all right, 30 seconds out. Getting ready to go back to it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff. Uh, you know, how many people have liked it now? 21 out of 50. The rest of you are just trolling me, aren't you? You're just trolling me in the background. That's what's going on. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it. Like, share, subscribe. Let's do it. Welcome back to the program. Uh, final segment of the program for today. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Chris Chang, Top Shot Champion, will be joining us, and uh, and more. We're gonna we're gonna have a good uh, gonna have a good uh, good good show tomorrow. Um, so just talking about the minimum wage thing. And again, all I all I can say is this, that my final thought on the whole minimum wage ballot measure thing is just follow the money. A quarter of a, three quarters of a million dollars have been raised uh almost all of it from a single outside group that pushes progressive bigger government causes. So, I mean, just you you make your own decision. If this thing ends up on the ballot, you make your own decision on that. That's, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the free market. I'll let the free market decide because most of these places are paying more than minimum wage to begin with already. This seems redundant and it causes other problems because of the paid sick leave and everything else. So I just I think it's a problem. But we have other continuing problems in the state. Somebody forwarded me a letter uh, t- that went over to uh, that went out to the legislature, It went out to. Gary Stevens, the president of the Senate, and to Kathy Tilton, the Speaker of the House. And it was a letter from the Alaska Professional Design Council. The Alaska Professional Design Council is a nonprofit organization representing 1,150 design professionals. Our members, licensed professionals, are dedicated to safeguarding public health, safety, and welfare. Now, when you say design professionals, what are we talking about? Well, Some of the member organizations include the Society of Professional Engineers, Professional Land Surveyors, Civil Engineers, Landscape Architects, Interior Designers, Structural Engineers. These are all the people that are part of this group, the Alaska Professional Design Council. So this letter goes on to say, APDC supports overriding the vetoes within the capital budget specifically to secure funding for essential K-12 school major maintenance projects and the University of Alaska Deferred Maintenance Initiative. 
APDC advocates for critical funding in Alaska's budget to address deferred maintenance. And goes on to talk about neglecting could act, exacerbate out-migration of young Alaskans, uh, calls for strategic investment in Alaska's future to strengthen the workforce. And they're saying now, in light of the improved budget forecast, they strongly recommend overriding the vetoes and recommending uh, funding for the school's major maintenance and UAF deferred maintenance program. Now, in part, I agree with them. We should be focusing on deferred maintenance because, as we've talked about on this program, I have a real problem with the whole concept behind deferred maintenance. Because deferred maintenance is robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? Uh, I'll pay you. I'll pay you on Tuesday for a burger that you give me today. Uh, but it is so laughable when I see an organization that is so. And again, I'm, I'm not trying to mock these people. I've seen this before. You have an organization that is just you know hip deep, fiscally motivated by the fact that because this funding got got axed, they're going to lose out on a bunch of money. Because the number one employer in the state for all these kind of professions is probably the state of Alaska. They're the ones that spend more money, more than likely, I haven't seen the numbers, but I can estimate that they, 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 it's a big chunk of their income is from state jobs, be they, you know, school district, borough, city, state. It's all government money going into their coffers. They built their, they built a big chunk of their of their business model around all those. This is the same thing that, like I said, 20 years ago, um, I got a copy of the trade magazine for the Association of General Contractors, and on the front page of the of the magazine, the headline was "Selling Schools to Your Local Communities." That the job of the Association of General Contractors of Builders was to go to their communities and sell them on why they needed new schools. I, I mean, they were honest about it. Right. They were they were honest about it. This is this is what we need to do. But here is the AB APDC, the Association of Professional Design Council, the Alaska Professional Design Council, rather. Out there representing eleven hundred and fifty groups, businesses, individual architects, civil engineers, whatever, saying you should override the vetoes. Because, because. Now, on the one hand, again, I agree because deferred maintenance needs to be taken care of. The longer we wait, the more expensive it's going to be. Why we allowed them to get away with it in the first place is uh, one of my big questions. I mean, how in the for example, in Fairbanks, how in the world did Fairbanks end up, of the Fairbanks North Star Borough, end up with a quarter of a billion dollars in deferred maintenance? Let me just repeat that number. A quarter of a billion dollars in deferred maintenance. When Carl Castle was mayor, that was, they came out, they did a study. He was shocked. He came and talked to me about it. $280 million in deferred maintenance on a borough with less than 100,000 people in it. How are you going to pay for that? And how does that deferred maintenance thing work, right? Well, you had money set aside for maintenance on buildings and for, you know, for for upkeep and all those other kind of things. But you decided, you being whichever bureaucrat it was that had control of the purse, you decided in your infinite wisdom that it was a better idea to take that money, 
to defer the maintenance that the money was going to be spent on, and instead you spent it on some other project. You spent it on something else. That's the that's the whole that's the whole idea behind deferred. You take money that was supposed to go to a specific thing, and you say no, that could be done later. And the next thing you know, you're a quarter of a billion dollars behind the eight ball. And boy, the deferred maintenance projects at the university uh, and and through K through twelve schools across the state, huge. Huge, jihugic, hundreds of millions of dollars, probably all told over a billion dollars in deferred maintenance in this state, or close to it. And so here they are saying, well, we really, I mean, at the same, I agree, we need to fix deferred maintenance, but again, kind of self-serving. This whole thing of, oh, we should have, you know, kind of self-serving a little bit. We, we probably should have, you know, I don't know. But I just had to laugh because, again, here you, it was the same thing all over again of the, you know, of the, again, the trade magazine of the Association of General Contractors saying you need to go out and sell schools to your community. So everybody gets, you know, so everybody gets, gets uh, uh, you know, some money on this deal. This is what we were talking about when we were saying earlier in the week with Brad that, you know, Alaska has become a dependency state in so many ways. Just just a, a, a dependency state. You know, whether it's dependency on whether it's dependency on uh, on the welfare, the, the safety net, the social safety net of welfare with two hundred and seventy five thousand Alaskans on Medicaid. That's a third of the state on some form of, you know, Medicaid. Or it's corporate cronyism with companies, you know, like GCI or whoever living on these big telco contracts or the contractors or the or the, the engineers getting paid to do these buildings and roads and everything else. I mean, it's it, it's just it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And thank you, John. The study industry. I forgot about that. The Alaska study industry. The answer is simple. We here at the Alaska study industry know we need to do more studies. That's exactly what we need to do. <laughs> you know, we've got a problem here. What is it? It's this jihugic deferred maintenance thing. Well, we should study that. You know, we should study. How did that happen? How, how, did, how did that? We need to commission a commission. To study the report on how we got where we're at. And then we'll take those recommendations and we'll think about them and we'll have another commission study those recommendations. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's insane, folks. It's just absolutely insane that this is where we're at these days. Study the study that we studied before to study the commission that studied the other one. I mean, if we put all the studies in the state of Alaska and all the all the commission reports and the findings and the studies and the they, they put it in one, it'd be like the Library of Congress. You got a question? We've probably studied that at least once somewhere here in the state of Alaska. And somebody got paid again. Oh, man. Um, 
it's 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 insane. Timothy says, doesn't deferred maintenance imply money was given but used somewhere else? Yes, that's the point. Money was planned on. They deferred the maintenance. Money was planned for the maintenance or upkeep of a building or whatever. And instead, they deferred that maintenance and used the money for something else. Which, again, to me, is flat out wrong. If you want to appropriate money for something else, you go through the whole... You don't just take it from... But that's not how it works. Millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars in deferred maintenance across the state. On buildings that you paid for. And you will continue to pay for. Like I said, special place in hell for the guy or for the guy who thought up deferred maintenance. All right, we're out of time. We gotta go. Tomorrow is Firearms Friday, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio. Be kind, love one another. Live well. Okay. I just, I have to laugh. We need a task force. That's right, Kevin. A task force that studies the commission that studied the study that looked at the panel decision. That's what we need. That's what we need right there. I should just start a new business. I should just start a new business and we'll we'll go into this. We'll just do that. All right, my friends. We got to fly. Have a good day. We will see you tomorrow.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.